Welcome to One Mama Between Two Worlds, a podcast about navigating the grief and despair of pregnancy loss. The pain you experience is real and the loss is unexplainable, but with time it is possible for healing to begin. During the shifting sands of pregnancy loss, this is a place of honesty and openness from a world that wants you to move on, not understanding that your world has changed. We discuss very real and very painful stories, but in sharing we can give the light to others to help them find their way. I believe that in keeping these words and feelings in the darkness, it only perpetuates the loneliness that happens during this emotional period. I am so thankful that you are here. You may feel broken, and I am not sure for how long you will feel this way, but I want you to know that it is okay. And I hope that by sharing these podcasts, you know from one mama to another, you are not alone. Hi, I'm Katie, and welcome to the third episode of One Mama Between Two Worlds. Today, we are going to discuss sitting with your feelings and how grief and pain can force you to face the trauma in your life. Building on what we have discussed in Episode 1 with Navigating the Journey and Episode 2, The Feeling of Broken. Sitting with your feelings is about addressing and processing the big emotions that come when you allow yourself to look at this loss, as well as the physical and emotional toll it takes to carry the burden. In our world today, we are all so busy, and due to multitasking, we are more productive than ever. But in our effort to get it done, we are faced with this. Grief and loss is not something that we can schedule or slot in at 2 to 2.20, just before school pickup. Grief and loss changes us, and while each of us processes it differently, we all have to deal with it at some time. One of the biggest lies that we are sold is that we only have to deal with the feelings that we want. Nobody wants to experience pain in their life, and while thinking positive is part of the healing equation, You cannot think yourself out of feeling this loss. Pregnancy loss felt so different from the other losses I had experienced in my life. It felt internal because it was. Some days I felt broken and unable to breathe. My belief in the world was rocked. Reaffirming my flawed inner belief that everything leaves or will I stay to rebuild over and over again. To the outside world, I was living the dream. I was successful and so very loved by my husband. I found it easy to fill the hole with work and being a people pleaser, going above and beyond filled my time. I was boundless with energy and relentless in my pursuit of my target. I was rewarded with promotions and bonuses. I said yes when I wanted to say no and I pushed myself to always do more than expected. In my professional life, my overachiever type personality was rewarded, but there was a self-destructive side that I worked very hard to keep in check. I thought I could achieve my way out of feeling anything, but I knew deep down that my emotions were there bubbling away. I thought I could keep them in check until I was ready to deal with them, but grief and trauma worked to their own timeline. They did not care for mine. As a daughter of a binge-drinking alcoholic, I had lived with the volatility of all or nothing. I had witnessed the destructive force of unresolved issues and trauma. 
I had felt the anger from someone who did not like who they were in the quiet moments. Then there was my mother, who was emotionally absent most of my life, and it hurt me more than I could process as a child, but also as an adult. She was always looking to not show up, and in these losses, when I craved that maternal love to help me heal, she found a way to break me further. I looked to her for comfort, and she looked away in avoidance. My first two losses were when I was young. I remember the blood and the disappointment, but also the relief. I was not ready to be a mother, and it was as if they understood this too. It was my third loss that really hit me, and I felt like I was grieving all three at once. I thought I was ready. I was secure and safe now, but when they left, it uncovered the feeling of unworthiness in me and all that destructiveness that I had worked so hard to keep in check for so long was now ready to explode. It is amazing how fast a house of cards can fall, and fall it did. Everything lost its meaning. Nothing seemed important. I quit my life and wanted to run away somewhere nobody knew me, and I could just scream and rage without restraint. I was angry, but I only wanted to punish myself. I felt broken on a cellular level, and the more my husband tried to love me, the more I felt unworthy of that love. I rejected him. I rejected his love. I was convinced that he was in love with this beautiful illusion that I had worked so hard to craft, and now the real me was here, and it would not be contained anymore. He held my hand as I self-destructed, feeling everything and nothing. I felt tortured, wanting to love him, but scared that he would see the real me and leave as my father had done, as my mother had done. These people were supposed to love me and never leave, yet they did, so why would he stay? But he did, until I forced him away. I felt the pain of not being able to give him the one gift that I could give him. After he had given me so much in our life together so far, I wanted to give him this. We had been together for so many years and there was always the promise that we would create this world for our children, yet I was struggling to keep them safe in my own body. I felt like I was not enough already and here was my confirmation. My husband was so different from every other man that I had in my life. He was like Jack and I loved that about him. He was strong but kind and smart in a way that pushed me to be better, but I never felt worthy of his love. The trauma of abandonment from adults that refused to be parents created a pit in me that only saw the pain in our love. I felt that if he left, I would not recover, so I forced him to go, feeling that it was better that I rip off this band-aid now than him leave me heartbroken in the future. It was better that it was my decision rather than his, because if he left, I would be broken again, and this time it would not be the alcohol or the manic depression, it would be me. He would leave me because of me. Our life had been so full up until that point, but now everything stopped, and I truly felt alone, not only with my thoughts, but really alone. I missed him, but I was heartbroken. I felt unfixable. Over the next year, I was stripped bare. Everything lost its importance. 
and I struggled to maintain this well-crafted image. I thought I was at the bottom, but I still had so far to go. Seeing his heartbreak confirmed that I was cruel like my mother, unable to love or be loved. He wanted to come back, but I felt like all I could bring him was pain. He was so much better off without me. I felt all I could bring him was death and that constant wishing for the family that would never eventuate. I was wasting his life and that was not right or fair. He deserved better than me and I knew that deep down. I went back to therapy desperate to feel anything other than this unrelenting pain followed by periods of nothingness. It worked and I uncovered pain and trauma unresolved feelings and a deep sadness at not knowing or understanding why everything I loved left. I went in feeling like I would talk about something and then I would be better. But healing is not linear. It is layered and it is a process of uncovering and slowly healing, uncovering and healing again. Unraveling these feelings was uncomfortable and desperate to escape, I kicked my self-destructive behaviours up a notch. Paul was worried, but honestly, I was in so much pain that I felt empty. Nothing made sense to me. My life felt ridiculous. There was no meaning or no purpose. I remember wanting it to stop. I was living on autopilot and soon I would have the carpet ripped from me again. The man who I wished was my father was very ill. He hid it from me. It was painful for me to go home, so when I called him, he always told me only the good news. We talked about the horses he rescued or the dogs he found new homes for. Everyone knew him, and Jack had a way with everyone. I felt like the luckiest girl in the world with him. He made me feel safe. He had this way of fanning my dreams with his belief in me. He saw me, and to him I mattered something that I had never felt with my parents. I felt resentment towards them because here was someone who loved me by choice, not out of obligation. I was away when he died. I was working. My mother told me that Jack was in hospital and that he wouldn't be coming home. She delighted in breaking my heart. I was one of the last people to speak to him and with those last pained words he worried about me and told me how sorry he was that he was leaving. He was happy that Paul was here now, and that he could leave knowing that Paul would love me the way he had. I did not have the heart to tell him that I had left Paul. I wanted to stay on the phone with him forever, but every word and breath was painful, so I let him go. I told him I would be fine, and that while others had talked of love, he showed it to me every single day. I told him that I loved him and it was okay to go. I said goodbye, holding back my tears, and just like that, he was gone and I was alone again. I felt so much pain. I felt the pain that he would never walk me down the aisle or he would never wake me up early for a ride when the air is crisp and stings your nose. I would never again have one of our chats while getting our jobs done. He was a simple man who worked hard and kept his promises always. I felt angry at a universe that would take him away from me. I felt mad that I had wasted all this time working away, missing the signs, 
being so caught up in myself and that I was not there when he needed me, when he was scared or in pain. I had missed it all. For what? A nicer apartment, a better TV. I had lost the person I had trusted since I was a child. He saw my brokenness and loved me still. He had loved me back to life after Nana left, and now he was gone too. I did not know how to live in a world without him. I felt sad that my children would never meet him, or that he would never hold them the way only he could. I felt devastated that he would never look at them with love that had spanned a lifetime, and they could only come from someone knowing all of your history and still choosing to stay. I could not go and say goodbye because going home was difficult and I knew that they would be ready to hurt me when I was already wounded. They did this with Nana and I had no doubt that they would be waiting to launch an attack on me. So, like a coward, I stayed away. I felt so angry that they had taken this from me too, but inside the real anger was directed at myself. I rang Paul to tell him, but as I opened my mouth, nothing came out. He was so worried, so I sent him a message to tell him. He was devastated. He sent me one message back, and it was, please come home. I was a mess. He nurtured me back to life, and slowly we rebuilt what we had. He saw my pain, but never tried to control it or contain it. I sat with him as I fell apart. Everything stopped as I sat there, stripped down to nothing but my raw pain and cried. I cried for all the hurt, all the loss and all the pain. I cried a cry that woke up my soul. I cried a cry of a woman who had lost the last person in her life who understood who she really was and why she had the nightmares that she did. I cried the cry of a little girl who now had no one. He was my family, and he was gone. The crying left me exhausted, and now I felt at rock bottom. There would be times that I would visit here again, but I would never stay. I had been so cavalier with my life up until that point, and when I was deep in the darkness, I did not care if I lived. In this darkness, though, I had one thought and it came from a very simple but profound book, Man's Search for Meaning. We stay to spare the ones we love the pain of living without us, the pain of saying goodbye. We stay because we know how it feels to live without them, and we are strong enough to carry this. Paul's pain would be immense, and it would change him. He had loved me broken, I could stay and spare him the pain of this loss. It was only a small reason, but it was a lifeline to me during these dark points. Paul was enough of a reason for me to find my way out. On my darkest days, I was so low. The thing about being deep in the depths of despair is that there is only one way, and that is up. I think Carl Jung says it best when he says, Modern man cannot see God because he does not look low enough. I had been low and I had not wanted to come back. When I focused on just being able to move up and out, I would see a glimmer of light and that was enough of a sign for me that there can be growth even in this pain. 
I change from why me to what lesson is there for me in this. I do not believe that miscarriage is a lesson from a vengeful God or a universe hell-bent on destruction. The lesson I learned from all of this loss was that I had the power to heal me. First, I had to acknowledge and honour the pain, not dismiss it or repress it. When I sat with the pain and embraced it, I was open to the power of healing as well. I had spent my life trying to fill the void with external things, avoiding ever being still. This grief stripped all of that away and left just me. I feared being still long enough to feel all of this, but where we fear to go is where we must go. So I went, and it was hard, but it was so worth it. In this grief, I also opened a place for Paul to come back in. I saw that I wasn't alone, and that I was grieving the loss with someone who wanted to understand my grief. He stayed when others had left. He loved me so much that I could fall apart, but unlike others, he stayed to watch and help me slowly rebuild, even when it was painful. Healing from my losses and going through these stages made me feel out of control. I felt at the mercy of not only others' words, but also my thoughts and emotions. I would swing wildly between sadness and rage, but always directed at myself. I looked at Paul and saw his suffering, and I wanted to fix it for him, but with my pain, I felt mad that I was experiencing it, because fundamentally I believed that it was all my fault. With work and exploration, I realised that this was programming that I had inherited from my childhood. I also realised the power of choice. Sitting with my emotions, examining them, helped me change my perspective. I processed the feelings rather than reacting to them. I did not let them bank up because then, like a volcano, I would spew everything, scorching the earth, and it hurt the ones I loved. Learning to be mindful, especially when uncovering the layers of trauma from miscarriage and the exhaustion of searching for why, was crucial. I was so fortunate that I had been loved by so many at different stages of my life. They were not the ones who were supposed to be there, but they chose me and they chose to be present and that was powerful. Self-care and self-protection were instrumental in my healing journey. I needed to learn to be okay with this. Sitting still with the pain helped me to see that being protective of myself during these periods was not selfish. It was self-preservation. It felt very unnatural for me to put myself first and some days I would be angry at the grief for occupying so much of my thoughts. I was not used to being a priority. I was the child that took care of everyone and as an adult I continued this role but I was tired and the fatigue of carrying this burden for so long was crushing me. I constantly felt like I was drowning and I didn't know how to make it stop so I just stopped. I stopped it all so I could work out a way to move forward. But as I screeched on the brakes of my life, the little voice became louder. It's you. You are the reason for these losses. It floored me. As I was doing everything right, so why did I still feel so terrible? 
I felt trapped in a body that had caused me so much pain. As I looked deeper, I knew that this same body was also capable of my healing. That is a confusing state to be in. I was dealing with a deep longing to have a child, but the merry-go-round of cycles and the waiting, the watching and the trying, the falling apart and putting back together, only to do it all again, was exhausting. I needed a break, but I did not know how to get off. I felt I needed a reason to get off. After Jack's death, we took time out to reset, to heal ourselves first, and then we looked to heal our relationship. We took the trying off the table, and I made my healing a priority. Paul had seen the spiral after Nana, and I wanted desperately to distract myself, but he stood strong. I knew how much he wanted to have children, but he gave me this time as a gift. We spent the next few years travelling and working, returning to zero. I never felt rushed or hurried by him. He was patient and kind, even when I would spiral. He would bring the calm back to me. Sitting still, taking time, felt torturous some days. He would always sense my unease and he would say, Come on babe, let's go on an adventure. How those words were music to my ears. We would get out into nature and I would feel myself heal. We had some amazing adventures together and sometimes just being there would help me feel free to express all the feelings and all the words trapped inside of me. I would talk and write, sit and stand, read and sing. He never asked to see my writing, but some pieces I would share with him and he would cry. I wrote fast and unfiltered. I did not care about lines or spelling. I wrote freely without worry of full stops or slowing down. I wrote especially when I didn't feel like it or when the little voice became louder. I wrote and finally the heaviness that I had felt my entire life started to lift and I could breathe. Free writing is such a beautiful gift to give to yourself and I would take a cushion outside and plant my feet in the red earth, and I would just say and write all the things I felt. It was strange because I had always felt called to the ocean, yet here in the red dirt my heart slowly healed. I tried everything and anything, not in the frantic search like in the past, but just in my quest for wanting to heal as much trauma as I could before having my children. This generational hurt that I had felt as a child stopped with me. This was not something I would pass on to my children. This pain stopped with me. I wrote and I wrote because there was so much to say. My brain never slowed down. But saying these big feelings and emotions out loud was terrifying. I had been called crazy so many times in my life. And in these losses, I believed that I might be. I was not ready to thrash these emotions out with anyone, so I put them into stories. It was hard at first slowing down the words enough to make a sentence, but as I did, I wrote about a love lost and a pain too big for one person to contain. The words helped me make sense of my feelings, and although I would never fully understand my losses, I felt more able to express how I was feeling, and in that I permitted myself to take time out to think. The more space I had from the losses, the more I protected the space in my head and my heart. 
I needed the quiet to think, and I am not sure if it was because when you are grieving, your instincts slow to survival mode. Because there is only so much one person can deal with at one time, and loss is overwhelming. My childhood taught me that I could adapt and grow even in volatile environments. Death and trauma had a way of stripping me bare, and as I shed my skin of expectation and all that did not serve me, I was left with who I really was. It was hard and painful, but I learned so much from that experience, and for the first time in my life I realised my true strength. For each of my losses, I navigated the journey differently. There were times that I could take all the time I needed, but other times I would be rushed by my advanced maternal age. Grieving while growing was a challenge. It pushed me at times to the brink of exhaustion. I am a person who needs to process, and in a perfect world that would always happen. But the tick-tock of my biological clock was getting louder, and stepping off the merry-go-round made it harder to step back on. I experienced loss before each of my children, and I needed to grieve while I was growing for my last full term. I experienced loss before each of my children, and I needed to grieve while I was growing for my last two full-term pregnancies. After Kaya's birth, I knew we were done, and I cried. I cried for the rush and the times I could not be still. I cried the tears that could only be cried when part of your life is over. I cried because I was proud that I did not give in and she was my reward. I had dreamed of her for so many years and now she was here. I cried tears of pain and joy and in that moment, when the world was spinning as it always did, mine was completely still and I was able to fully embrace it because I was able to sit still with her. The fear that I had carried with me for so long moved as she looked at me, moving to my breast. I finally felt at peace. As the world moved, it was just us, and I understood stillness from a whole new perspective, surrender. Grief and loss forces us to be still, to be present to be in this moment. How could another who has never had life end within them understand this the way we do? So many believe the sheer act of talking keeps death from reappearing. To them, this may be true, but I have stared in death's eyes, pleading for it to take me instead, but undeterred it took my babies one by one, without me ever holding them or before I ever saw their faces. It took them while plunging me into the darkness over and over again. How do you ever overcome that? I am not sure you do. I think you make peace with what is, otherwise for me, at least madness ensues. I am more sensitive and more risk adverse now because every heart has its limits. I have lived in this realm I call the fear because I realised how much of my life was completely out of my control. I had always been brave, but during my pregnancy journey, I realised just how much I had to lose, and the fear was born. The fear when a lost mama has a cramp or a cough, the fear of the silence or that scream. The fear overwhelmed me, 
because it was everywhere and it was a master of the shadows. How do you move past it? Once again, it is a process of trust and surrender, which for a person with control needs is almost impossible. I said almost. It will look different to you and it will most certainly change to look different depending on your day. I will explore the fear in the next episode of One Mama Between Two Worlds. But for right now, I want to give you three actionable things to help motivate you to sit still. The first thing is write. Write, write and write again. Free write, messy write, just write. Write whatever you like for as long as you like. Do not edit your writing. Do not correct it while you are writing. You can do this after, but at this stage of your writing, your only focus is to write. Get up. Get up 30 minutes earlier and use that time to work towards your goals. I use this time to give myself a break from the constantness of my grief and to focus on the goals that I still wanted to achieve. I found that I worked on three things that I set out the night before, three important things that drove me towards my goals. I did this because despite my grief, I needed to work on projects that brought me joy because I had four, now six, blue eyes looking up to me. Get outside. For me, it is the ocean, but we live in the desert, so I adapted I would get outside and sit in the grass. I would feel the sun on my face and watch the clouds. The world slowed down when I did that. I could breathe and it would be in my own space. If I could get to the ocean, I would stand in the water and almost immediately I would feel the release. The ocean feels like going home. Watching my kids lay outside and find shapes in the clouds was a really fun but gentle way to slow down and be still. Kids are experts at being in the moment and being around them and that positive energy is so healing. I want you to expect resistance. I felt guilty that I was not using my time wisely and my need to justify my time would have me work myself up. I was so stuck in the doing, just being still challenges me. My mind would wander to all the things I should be doing, and we know that that list is endless. My mind would race, and slowing it down took focus, and some days I struggled. I learned not to push so hard and be okay that right now it's a bit messy, but I can try again later. I let go of my need to do it right and became good at the just doing. These are only a few of the things that I use to help me get ready for the stillness. I did not want to overwhelm you. I will explore more on a further episode called Self-Love Through the Hate. As women, we are always so giving to others, but sometimes we need to just give a little more to ourselves. This creates a space for us to give more and expect a little more. Thank you for joining me here on Episode 3 of One Mama Between Two Worlds. We unpacked a lot in today's episode. Being still as a mama is hard, but so necessary. Like most things, 
Once you do it a few times, it does become easier. After a while, you will crave it. You will crave the silence and the space so you can collect your thoughts and escape the endless mind dialogue. Taking this time does not make you selfish. It is self-care and it is important because those little eyes that look to you see more than you know. They look to you to find their way in the world. It is important that you also value yourself, not just as a lost mama, but also as a human being, trying to heal and find the space to return to zero. Three things I want you to take away from this. You did not deserve this. This was not your fault. You are doing the best you can right now. I will say this to you as often as I can because repetition is important. You are learning to live an entirely new reality and that is hard. You do not need to see the entire path. You just need to see the next step. In our next episode, The Fear, we will talk about something that all mamas encounter because having a child is a constant stream of letting go. But being a lost mama ramps up all those fears and anxieties. You realise that safety is imaginary and control is a concept. It is the heightened state of emergency that every single thing means something. It is the moments that you get so exhausted from the cycle that you want to give up because you just cannot take any more. Yet you do not because living a life without the family that you pictured is too much to bear. The fear as a lost mama is real and tangible. It is not something that might happen, it has happened, and there is fear that it could happen again. Thank you for spending this time with me here at One Mama Between Two Worlds. I just want to remind you that you can reach out to me via Facebook or Instagram. I would love to connect with you and offer you any assistance that I can. If you want to help a friend going through the pain of pregnancy loss, Please know that you do not need to have the right words. You just need to be present and open to hear the pain. Just a simple message with no expectation of reply can be enough to remind someone deep in the pain that a loss shared is a burden halved. If this has helped you or if there is someone you know experiencing pregnancy loss and the trauma associated with it, please share this episode or the one that you think that resonates the most with them. Also, please consider hitting the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Thank you so much. From one mama to another, please take care.